did they do it? How did they do it? You're listening to the How Did They Do It podcast with Kostas Panayotou. Welcome to How Did They Do It, the uh, podcast where you can join me in conversations with inspirational individuals who found their freedom and purpose by doing what they love doing most. The priestess, the goddess and the witch. This could easily have been the alternative title of the conversation I had with shamanic priestess Alex Vitillo. Alex will explain clearly the difference uh, between the terms, what conceptual differences and similarities um, I may add. Um, but she will also explain terms that um, I was unfamiliar with until I spoke with Alex, such as quantum flow, uh, such as soul contracts, and uh, you know what is a heart-centered entrepreneur, how to recognize one, and what do they do for the betterment of the world. This is a very uh, interesting part for me, uh, as someone who has worked with ethical businesses before, and Alex makes it really clear this goes beyond ethics. This is about working actively for the betterment of the world, um, and, and, but doing it from, from the point of view of um, an entrepreneur. And that's what I love about Alex's approach. There is this fusion between um, her spiritual side, that as a shamanic priestess, uh, and um, the use of energy and, and the use of quantum flow, and uh, soul contracts and the spiritual terms on one side, and on the other side she talks about money and wealth, and she speaks in a very direct and clear way about it. And isn't that what this world really needs? You know, a bit of a more spiritual approach to things that we consider materialistic. After all, we live in a world that uh, some may consider to be a little bit uh, heartless or soulless. Well, there is Alex bringing very much needed heart and soul into this world. Hello, Alex. Good evening. How are you? Good evening, Kostas. I'm very good. Thank you. Very excited to be here with you and your audience. I'm completely excited to have you again. I mean, we've spoken before, obviously, in the context of my sort of the interviews I was doing in the Facebook group, and that's how the, the podcast idea has evolved. And you were such an interesting guest, and I thought, well, we need to, <laughs> we need to renew our conversation, right? Because there's so many interesting things. <laughs> to talk about. Um, so, you know, have you, how, how have you been recently in the last, I guess it has been a few years isn't it, since we've spoken, or at least one year? Yeah, it's been at least one year. Things have evolved for the business, for myself, as usual, I think <laughs> you could say that. And being really, really good. Thank you. Excellent. That's good. That's always good to hear. And I mean, I recall, and, and I just checked, by the way, to make sure you still call yourself that. You're still a shamanic priestess, right? I am still a shamanic priestess, exactly. I've done some more expert trainings in sacred right. money archetypes, in money breakthrough for women specifically. So I've, uh, and as a quantum flow practitioner, so I keep on mixing the well being with wealth. Right, okay, so we get to that later because I'm interested to hear more about this idea of quantum flow because you mentioned that in your in some of your videos. But let me start with a controversial question first. So shamanic priestess, which is that the same or is that a different thing? Oh, this is a very interesting question, Costa. So when people ask me, you know, people tend to say, where are you from? And you would say, I'm Italian, French and Greek. <laughs> and I say, I'm a third witch, <laughs> a third goddess a third fairy, and all mixed in as a priestess. It's slightly different energies, and every one of these 
you could call it label, you could call it energy. It's just a different slight of energy, very much related to the feminine, all of them. Mm-hmm. And yet they operate in slightly different ways. So a priestess is somebody that holds the light that creates a container for transformation to happen. And in a sense, when you are in that container, the work is mainly done by the priestess and the client have the transformation almost by osmosis. The goddess part is more of activating a power, I say, that you have within you. So it's a lot easier to access rather than it takes some training to hold that light as a priestess. And the witch, the same, you need some training, but it's more oriented towards working with the elements, working with the earth. And the fairies, it's more about working with the magical realm. So (laughs) it really depends what you want to activate and how much you want to dedicate to that energy and that training. It doesn't happen overnight. (laughs) There are gifts involved. And yet I say, even when you're gifted, whatever your gift is, it's good when you practice in integrity, you train and you spend a lot of dedication, commitment, energy, time, slash, (laughs) all of these things in making it better and better for yourself and your clients. Absolutely, yes. So there is a sort of similar energy from what I understand behind the words, but there are some distinct differences, depends on the task, depends on what you want to achieve and mostly how you want to achieve it, I guess, isn't it? That's where the difference lies. Correct, correct, yes. Yeah, okay. So um, I guess, Something that I'm most interested in when, uh, is, is how people define their, their clientele, their ideal clients, because we all work with particular types of people, right? And we want to attract them, and that's what we do. And um, I'm quoting here from your website. You say you're working with heart-centered entrepreneurs. I mean, how would I recognize a heart-centered entrepreneur? What is one? So for me, I don't need to recognize me. They recognize them, they recognize me. So (laughs) once I've got the clear vision of who can I help the most, and it took me a while. This was for me in the business, one of the most challenging things to be clear on who can I really help and support? And also do I make the message clear for others to be able to identify and to say, okay, Alex is the best person. But once that was clear in my head and then people started to come. And Art Center to me really means that they're here for the betterment of the world. They're here to open their heart and to say, okay, I'm going to do things in a different way, which is not only what you can get from something, from your business, from your clients, but I can also give to the world. So it's a much broader scope of what are you creating through your business. And like I said, people are going to feel that call. They're going to come to me. And they may be on the surface, very different type of clientele. And they may be doing things very differently as well. Some of them might use the word spiritual. Some of them might use the word meditation. Some of them might use the word mindfulness. Some of them may use no words at all and have no interest in those so-called worlds. Yet they want the betterment of the world. And they are prepared to work, if you look at energy, with a bigger energy that it's bigger than themselves. And to say, okay, there's a part I can do and there's a part I will be guided 
and that will tap into those tools, that energy. And Alex is going to help me do exactly that. Okay. So um, when you use the term, uh, you know, people work for the betterment of the world, I mean, does that fit with the term? I hear sometimes use the term ethical. Is that what we're talking about? Or is that a bit too limiting for what you are describing? I think ethical is a bit too limiting. Betterment, it's really to acknowledge, and this is something I'm really going big recently, that we can, you know, we hear a lot of complaints. We hear a lot of stories maybe from older generation in my times it was better and now our children are doom and gloom so many of these stories and I'm saying what if it wasn't that way what if we could really start to think that there is not only a possibility but really a lot of opportunities to create something different and so for me the word betterment is to really associate with we can do something different and it can be beautiful and we're not doom and gloom and there is so many opportunities and possibilities that are opening up that goes beyond ethics and certain certifications and certain um again this is good this is bad you know it's just that vision of okay the doom and gloom that's done and regardless of the pandemic, people losing their job, people dying, they think about what can I do for the world? Yeah, which uh, I mean, brings me to, uh, again, to the idea, and you describe that quite well in your, in your website and in your videos. So this whole idea of you have on one side abundance and the idea of wealth, and then you have on the other side sort of the sort of, I guess, the lack and the sort of coming from a position of lack and scarcity. Why are there so many people you think in the world, I mean, in a world that should really provide to everyone, really, especially in our Western society, really, there's no excuse. Why are there still so many people you feel that come from a place of scarcity, really, in their lives? I think it's just the way we have been trained to think and we've been trained to experience the world because Again, from what I see when I talk to clients one-on-one, -on -one, when they share their most intimate stories, there are so many of them that have gone through lack of love in their youth and through really hardship in, their, in the way they were brought up. And if I look at my ancestors, for instance, it was through very hard work and poverty. And, you know, you look at half of the population is in poverty these days. So you you constantly see this on the media you constantly hear about your grandparents or you constantly even experience it for yourself but people my age that said i was forced to eat on the floor or i was given no food because there's there might be some tendency to have a lack of love in the way we're raised or or some people i heard a very interesting story of a person that said <laughs> i always heard my parents talk about lack and talking about, you know, things were not good enough. And this particular child thought they were poor, but then turned out they were living in a luxurious home. They had a cook, a gardener, a maid. But the way this child experienced the parents talk about always worried about we're going to lose everything. This is too expensive. We cannot go on holiday. So that child came up thinking, oh, my God, I am poor. And they were not poor by any definition of poverty so again it's just the way we've been raised and if we could and this is gazillion eons of doing the world and being humans right so if we can shift that 
but it's going to take some, again, commitment, it's going to take some education, it's going to take some self-discipline to start to look at the world in a different place. And also, there is sometimes, and people don't like when I say that, but there is sometimes this idea that if you don't like money, you're a better person. If mm. you yeah. do things not for the money, you're a better person. And they boast about it. And a lot of heart-centered entrepreneurs says, I'm not in it for the money, as it is a beautiful thing that are not in it for the money. And yet we live in a world where money opens so many doors and money allows you to eat, money allows you to build, money allows you to give, money allows you to eradicate poverty. So again, what are we thinking we're gaining by being proud of saying, I don't do it for the money? Yeah. Why, why is it such an emotionally charged word, you think, uh, money? I'm just asking because in some circles it seems to be as much a taboo as almost as the word sex almost, isn't it? People, oh, money, you know, don't mention it. You know, it's like it's like a bad thing to even talk about money. Why is that the case? I mean, even in my work at NLP, you know, clients will say, yeah, I have no problem with money. And then we mention the word and what does it mean for you? What, you know, and then you get all sorts of weird emotional baggage that seems to, to stick on it really that... Um, has been through a lifetime of, of luck, I guess, or from experiences. Why do you think it's such a, it's such a weird thing to talk about for most people? Yeah, I think it's just this conditioning and the stories that we heard and the misinterpretation starting from the Bible, money is the root of evil. It turned out that was an exact quote. It wasn't really about the money, it's the use of the money. If you, like I said, if you think you're, quote, spiritual, then money is definitely something you don't want to do. If you are passionate about your job, you feel compelled to say it's not about money. So again, but, and then you see a lot of corruption. You see a lot of things that are associated with mismanagement of money, but using money. And I say the way you do money is the way you do everything. So it's going to be loaded with some kind of connotation. And what people don't realize, money amplifies what's already in you. So if you've got a good soul and you want to share money, the more money you make, the more you're going to share and support people. And, you know, I have no problem with paying my milk double the price because it comes from the milkman. I know I'm giving labor to the driver that brings the milk, the milkman, the farmer. And some people would say, no, it costs the money. Why just go to the supermarket, right? So how do you do things? And if you think you're going to be really avid for money because it gives you a certain type of power, it allows you to manipulate things. If you are that sort of person, that's exactly what you're going to do. And then an observer might be looking at it thinking, oh, look at that person, you know, they're mistreating the money. But if that person was a heart-centered person, they would just share their money with somebody. So it's really this, this misconception of what is portrayed, the media, the religion, it's so much fuss about money. <laughs> yeah, and, and when you think about it, it's just an exchange of energy, isn't it, money? That's no more than that, really. So it, it's a neutral thing, but we make it something that is not neutral by the way we interact with it and the way that we that we use it in our lives, as you said. Correct. Correct, and your culture and your religion and your personal experience and your family. Um, 
it's very much associated with all of that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I just want to come back to something you mentioned earlier because I had a question about that. So you mentioned the word quantum flow. I was quite um, intrigued. Tell me more about quantum flow. What is it? So quantum flow is a practice that has not been developed by me. I trained with Juan Pablo Barahona, which is the person that really came with the practice. And in short, is tapping into the quantum field, the energy of all there is. And it's a combination of breath work, gentle movement, meditation to, again, rewire as an LLP practitioner, you'll be familiar with that, to really rewire your brain, your physical body into abundance. So again, all of these stories that we created for ourselves, all of these energies that is stuck in our body, all of this DNA that has been dormant for years through this practice of really breath work, movement, meditation allows you to then move everything that's not serving you out of your body, out of your auric field. You come back to who you really are, your divine self. And then, of course, the result is you create the reality that you want a lot easier by bringing yourself back to center. Because ultimately, ultimately, whatever we're doing in this world, what's stopping us is that something within our field is like, a, some people call it... Um, obstacles some people call it limiting beliefs right some people call it short circuits but the easiest way is just rewire that body mind soul spirit so that you can let your superpower flow if you believe in a higher connection allow that higher connection to guide you and then everything becomes a lot easier in life in whatever field you apply that to mm -hmm. Okay, so you mentioned breathing earlier. I think that's something quite interesting for me to hear that the importance of breathing. And I'm saying this because I know someone who's a breathing coach. That's all she does, helps people to breathe properly. And she tells me most people don't even know how to breathe, <laughs> which is crazy, isn't it? It's the most basic thing in our lives without you know, breathing, we're going to die. So, but yeah, most people do it wrong. I mean, how would you incorporate that specifically? Is that the part of meditation that you're doing? Do you let people relax or is it something different? Um, so it's simply, it's guidance on, again, you're going to love, but how to breathe, you know, and it's, you breathe from your belly, how long you count in, maybe you hold it at the top, maybe you exhale a little slower, maybe sometimes you, you move at the same time, you focus your mind on a certain uh, direction. So it really takes guidance, because like you say, we we're used as human beings, we don't think about the breath, but we don't necessarily make the best of how we could be breathing. And my company is called Breathing Heart, in a sense, even though I, I wasn't a quantum flow practitioner at the beginning, but I thought, what is important in life? And to me, it was breath. Breath is life. Without breath, you don't have life. And if you don't breathe from the heart, again, this idea that it's it's not from your mind. You've got to come into love and the heart is love. Then your whole life is going to be completely transformed. So therefore, breathing heart. And people always ask about how did you come up with this, this name and this is how. And then they say, oh, actually, you're right. You know, life becomes a lot easier when you're conscious. Am I taking the most amount of air? 
And does it come from my heart? Am I opening my heart? Am I doing things with kindness? Am I doing things with joy? Am I doing things with love? And if the answer is yes, your life is a lot nicer <laughs> than if the answer is no. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah, and, and I completely believe that, isn't it? I mean, if you take a holistic approach on people, all this stuff has an influence on others. So the way we breathe has an influence on spiritually how we um, experience the world. Or, or you mentioned earlier uh, the way we, we sort of go, uh, the way we treat money is the way we treat everything else. So everything is related in one way or another. At the end of the day, isn't it? Is no nothing is really separate of what we do. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah, that's what I believe. Um, something else again. I know that that you're working with, um, and, and I'm quite sure that you still do. It's just the idea of the law of attraction, which is, you know, something that a lot of us are, you know, finding an important principle um, in in creating the correct mindset, really, with people. And the thing that I'm interesting interested in always to hear is. Why? I mean, I think it works and you think it works, I'm sure. But why does it work? Is it like because there is some sort of mysterious principle in the universe that is guiding us and makes things work for us? Or is it simply it sort of retrains the unconscious mind to look for opportunities and then you actually do the things that you're supposed to be doing to get the things that you want? Oh, this is a topic I could speak about for three days and more because the law of attraction, I think it's a very misinterpreted concept. And we hear a lot about people saying, the law of attraction, this is how you do it. You sit, you close your eyes, you picture something beautiful, and you repeat it 10 times, 10 times a day, and boom, it's going to happen for you. Now, <laughs> I say, it's a good start to have positive thoughts, to be thinking about what you want. It's not enough. So the law of attraction is this idea that if you think about something, you raise your vibration at a certain frequency and each and everything and everyone has got frequency. So this is, this is a given. And I explain to my children a lot of times, it's like, depending on which frequency you're vibrating at, you see the world in a, in a certain way. So let's say you vibrate, I'm just gonna give a very simple example. You vibrate at a frequency of 20, and the flowers that are red are vibrating at the frequency of 20, you're going to see red flowers everywhere. And there are going to be flowers that are blue that vibrate at the frequency of 40. You're not going to see the blue unless you're going to vibrate at the frequency of 40. So therefore, you know that at some point, if you move your frequency from 20 to 40, you're going to see the red flowers at 20 and the blue flowers at 40. But it's not just by oh, sitting there and repeating the same things 10 times. And so it, it really is what is available to you in that realm. Let's say I go to China, I know I'm more likely to find noodles than if I go to Italy, right? So I need to find a certain way to go to China first and foremost, if I want noodles, that doesn't guarantee I'm going to get the noodles. It's just say it's there. It's a possibility. You still need to go an extra step. So everybody likes to talk about the law of attraction because it was made very popular. But at the same time, it's got such a big, what I call it, a slap, because you might be thinking, oh, I'm meditating, I'm calling in, I'm thinking positive thoughts. It's not happening for me. And then you start to think, I've done something wrong. It's not, uh, I'm not good enough. 
I'm not meditating the right way. I'm not saying the right affirmation because the law of attraction is just one thing. It's not everything. There are other laws that come into assessment. There's free will. <laughs> there's many, many, there's your soul contract. So it really depends about many other pieces of the puzzle. And this idea that just because we think it, it's going to happen to us, it doesn't work that way at all. No, and I agree with that. And definitely, and again, from a perspective perspective of NLP, there needs to be, I mean, you need to make it real, right? One way or another. So even when people visualize things, sometimes they don't actually, they don't visualize correctly. They don't actually see the detail of what they want. So they don't really know what they want. They just think, hey, it'd be nice to have a car or money or, you know, a big house or whatever. But unless you say what house specifically, what car specifically, and when are you going to have it? To make all that stuff real in your head, you're not really going to do anything to get all these things because it's just a dream. It's a nice thing to have, but there's no energy towards it. So I can definitely see it. And you mentioned soul contract. Never heard that term before. I'm quite fascinated now. What is that? Oh, soul contract. So we need to take a step back. And for those that are listening, they think it's a bit woo-woo. <laughs> just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> just okay. go with it, listen to the end of the conversation and then get in touch if you think it's too much. So soul contract, is, I really believe that we come here on planet Earth from possibly a different plane, right? I'm a shamanic priestess, so one of my skills is to be talking to this different plane and these different realms and these different, let's call it, entities or guides, or right? So when we are not in the physical body we are light we are again you can call it whatever you are but we are in a different plane of existence and in order to come into our physical body our soul as let's call it a mission right is again if you think i want to from london drive to bristol what am i going to go to do in bristol i'm just not going to wake up one day and say i'm going to drive to bristol i probably want to go and have maybe ice cream <laughs> right <laughs> It's a long way, but so I need to decide, oh, once I'm in Bristol, what am I going to do? What am I looking for? How do I want to experience Bristol? Do I want to go the five star <laughs> or do I want to go maybe camping side? And this is when soul contracts come into play because we're not alone in the universe. We're not alone on planet Earth. We interact with people. And when you are not in the physical body, so when you're still light, when you're still in the other realm, you predetermine and you plan what is it that you come here to do. And you pick your, par you pick your parents as a soul, you pick your husband or wife or a lover or your teachers, your masters, and these are called soul contracts because you agree, you pre-agree within you this is what we're going to do together. Now, there's always an element of free will. So I think the easiest example is you pre-agree with another soul, I'm going to marry you because I think we want to, you know, we're going to work on whatever issue we want to work, we want to have a good life together. And then, of course, you come into the physical body, you forget everything. And when you see that person, you might not remember your soul contract and you might decide, no, not marrying this person. She's not for me or is not for me. 
and then a whole lot of scenario comes, right? So there is free will, but there is some predetermined agreement that you made. And then it's up to you to decide, you know, do I want to stick? Well, your soul decides, I want to stick to that agreement. No, maybe come back in a different lifetime, you meet that person again, and, and you you go into that. It's a very fascinated, complicated, in a sense, topic. But the more you tune into that, for me, is just, again, one of those conversations with my guides that I get the information. So there are many books on soul contract. Carolyn Miss, she's amazing. She's got very, very, very good material for those of you that want to know more. Right. So the way you describe, the way I understand it, so your your soul knows. So it goes beyond free will, isn't it? Because what we know consciously, like you say, we forget our contract or whatever our soul really decides, but the soul knows. So there is something beyond our, what we call our self then. Is there out there that guides us or did I misunderstand that? Yes, yes. So there is this, your physical body, what we call the self, and then there is the higher self and there's the soul that comes into the body. And this is where some people see it as faith, because if you have a pre-agreed contract with somebody, that could be when you come into the world, you bump into that person at the supermarket, is never met foot on that supermarket where you were meant to be. So some people might call it faith or coincidences or synchronicities, but really was these two higher beings that decided, you know what, we're going to meet there and from there we're going to see what's what's happening mm, very interesting concept very interesting concept yeah. indeed yes yes no thank you for explaining that um well as as usually has become a really fascinating conversation Alec. <laughs> um, and i'm very very glad i got you again on the podcast to have this this conversation again and so we can discuss a few um you know of the familiar concept and a few of the concepts that actually were not familiar to me, such as what we just said, the soul contract or the quantum flow that we discussed earlier. So thank you very much for your time. And um, my last question is, I mean, where can people find you, if, you know, heart centered um, entrepreneurs that would like to get in touch with you? What's the best place to, to find out more about you and the way that you work? The best place would be through my website, which is breathingheart.co.uk. They can send me an email, they can book a call. And I always say, don't be shy, because if you don't ask, you don't get. So if there is something in your mind, something you want to discuss, even if you think, oh, I don't agree with that, but there's something moving you, then go for it and send me an email or reach out through a call. Fantastic. Excellent. Alex, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Kostas. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. You are listening to the How Did I Do It podcast. Do not forget to subscribe by following us on Apple, Spotify or Anchor for weekly conversations with inspirational individuals who found their own freedom by doing the thing they love doing most. And you can also follow me on costasthecoach.com for weekly blog articles that will inspire you to find your passion and purpose in life.